0: Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard, I'm Director of ECFR and this week I am joined by one of ECFR's Council Members, Wawrzyniacz Smocinski, who is the Editor-in-Chief of Politica Insight to talk about a grave political crisis which is evolving in Poland and threatens what many people see as the liberal foundations of its constitutional order. We're going to talk about how that unfolds, what it means for Poland, what it means for Europe and what it means for the the future of the European project as a a rules-based order in terms of its ability to influence the rest of the world as well. you're sitting in Warsaw watching the, the news evolve. Can you maybe just start by telling us exactly what's happening?
1: So good afternoon and, and thank you for having me on the podcast. We are in fact um, here at the end of a very tumultuous uh, week in Polish politics, in Polish parliament especially. Um, uh, most of the people in Poland are already on their summer vacations. And this is probably the key reason why the ruling party PIS chose exactly this week uh, to in order to push a raft of measures through parliament which are significantly altering the judicial system in in Poland uh, two important laws have been adopted uh, during the same session this week one is a law pertaining uh, to the um, um, to, a, to a judicial body which is actually choosing candidates for new judges uh, of uh, common courts. This body has been uh, recalled. Fifteen judges sitting on that uh, uh, panel, which is choosing future Polish judges, have been uh, summarily recalled from their offices and will be replaced by new uh, people who will be chosen uh, by parliament and not by the uh, by the legal legal profession and judicial community. The second law uh, relates uh, to the uh, order or to the organization of common courts in Poland, so regular courts uh, to which citizens and companies and other entities can go in order to secure their uh, legal rights. Uh, the key measure in that, uh, in that uh, law that has been adopted is a measure which enables the Justice Minister uh, to fire every court president at every level he chooses. Uh, in the six months uh, following the adoption of that law. That law would, would essentially permit the Justice Minister, so we are talking about a representative of the executive power branch, to exchange any court president around Poland with whom the Justice Minister doesn't agree. And then the surprise measure which surprised us all and which stunned actually not just the Polish uh, community, but also the international community, at least people who are following events in Poland, was a bill which was tabled uh, close to midnight, two days ago, uh, which is a draft law on uh, the Supreme Court, uh, which is the counterpart of the Cour de Cassation in France, uh, so the highest court in Poland. That law essentially foresees that all judges sitting on that Supreme Court, who are uh, a totality of over 90 judges, will be summarily dismissed once the law comes into force, uh, the only judges which will be let uh, to remain on that court will be judges personally indicated by the Justice Minister.
0: Wow. So what do you think the likelihood of, of all these things actually happening is? Is there some way that they could get blocked by the president or can the parliament come back?
1: Yeah, the, 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 this is something that was our chief preoccupation in our analytic work uh, over the past two days. We were trying to check uh, how much determination there is on the part of the ruling party to actually push through all well, two laws have been already adopted by this by, by this major overhaul, or one might say dismemberment of the Supreme Court, uh, is actually a draft law. So we wanted to see whether the ruling party is really determined to do it. We have seen today a press conference of Jarosław Kaczyński, the leader of the ruling party, uh, who said uh, that uh, this reform will be pushed through. Uh, One of his MPs said that the party is planning to adopt this law in Parliament as early as next week uh, and it should come into force uh, during the summer, which means that the Supreme Justices of the Polish Supreme Court will be dismissed Um, before autumn. The key date probably uh, for the ruling party is uh, the the 13th of September, because this is a day on which the Supreme Court was meant to rule on the legality of the choice of the Chief Justice of the Constitutional Tribunal. And there is significant risk for the ruling party that the Supreme Court would rule uh, that the, um, uh, the, the, the The leader of the Constitutional Tribunal, which was taken over politically essentially six months ago, uh, was was elected uh, illegally. And therefore they are moving, um, moving uh, onto the Supreme Court in order to uh, to avoid that sentence.
0: And what's the reaction been in Poland? I mean, it's a very divided country. It's not a country where everyone supports the ruling party.
1: Well, the PIS is polling very high, uh, is polling at close or uh, slightly over 40% of support. Uh, PIS hand has been significantly strengthened by the visit of Mr. Trump one week ago. There is a sentiment within the party that there is, uh, that, uh, the, the, that the ruling party is essentially assured, sec- politically secure, uh, because of the president's visit, who essentially uh, supported the ruling camp in Poland and said that mm, uh, that the U.S. is more or less aligned uh, politically uh, under Trump uh, with, uh, with uh, the ruling party in Poland. Secondly, we have very good economic numbers, so the party is enjoying uh, a lot of support for the economic policy among the wider electorate. So uh, Jarosław Kaczyński apparently decided that this is the right moment, since he is at, at the top of of his capacities, of his support, in order to spend some political capital on a very controversial reform, which will surely cost him a lot of furor, a lot of media critique, and potentially uh, a very uh, fractious uh, few weeks in, uh, in the Polish parliament. But he decided that it's worth doing it. And it's important to understand that for Mr. Kaczynski, the showdown with the judges, is something key to his idea of reforming the country.
0: So he has this idea of impossibilism, which he has put forward at various different points. Is that part of this thing? Can you explain that a bit for people who... who... Mr. Kaczynski has
1: has been saying over the years that the problem with Polish politics and the Polish state is that it is incapable of acting through on issues, on problems of the wider Polish society, that there is a certain impossibilism that uh, many things that uh, political leaders would like to do are impossible to do, and hence that he has to act through. And one of the things that uh, stands in his way is obviously, was obviously the checks and balance system of the Democratic Republic, which Poland still is or perhaps was until a few days ago, Uh, namely a system where there are not just institutions and certain laws which prohibit uh, the executive power uh, to do whatever it pleases, But there are also people in that system, namely judges, sitting on different tribunals, like the Constitutional Tribunal or like the Supreme Court, which is trying to fill the gap uh, after the Constitutional Tribunal. And those judges are also part of the system, which is making the wide reform planned by Mr. Kaczynski impossible. So he built a narrative uh, along which uh, judges are post-communists, uh, judges are people who are not to be trusted. Judges are corrupt. Judges are supporters of the Liberals and of the previously ruling parties. So judges have to be summarily dismissed. Uh, and those that can't be dismissed, uh, because it's it appears it's pretty easy to dismiss judges from the constitutional tribunal, it's pretty easy to dismiss 90 judges from the Supreme Court, but it will be way more difficult to replace the hundreds of judges who are in the common courts. But those judges will be threatened by the possibility that they could be recalled, fired, or or went against disciplinarily. There does seem to be a lot of public support for judges in Poland. Uh, the Polish people are, at the moment, not mobilized against PIS. As I said, there are ample economic reasons to support the current party, and there is a strong, also, anti-elite sentiment, which also feeds into this uh, lack of trust into judges.
0: You used very strong language a couple of seconds ago. You said that Poland you know, was once a democratic republic, that this might be the end of democracy in Poland. Do you, do you really think that?
1: I, uh, frankly, I think this is actually a testament to, to, the, to the reality of, it, of the crisis that we are facing, is that it's difficult to make an outright judgment on that. You'll find plenty of people among you know, also friends of ECFR uh, who would adamantly say, yes, the liberal democratic order is ending in Poland, because institutions are being attacked and they are not being dismantled in the institutional sense, but if you are firing, say, 90 Supreme Court judges, then that's a question. If you are firing the people, but you are leaving the building, is that dismantlement? Is that the end? We don't know because we don't know what kind of judges will come and replace them. But as we see that a new system is being established in in which the replacements will be Will will be handpicked. There is uh, there is a huge concern, uh, you know, a part of the of of the elites, not all elites, but surely on part of the liberal elites, that we are heading into an illiberal democracy, an illiberal democracy in the sense that democratic processes like elections will be uh, still pursued, but there an outright exchange of elites is being a, a forced exchange of elites is being is being done. That's something that I would. I would surely support, you know, in descriptive terms. Yeah, those, those new elites are not liberally minded. They don't respect a
0: system of checks and balances. So what do you what's your kind of worst fears then of, of what could happen as a result of this concentration of power?
1: Well, I am I, I'm not um, contrary to, to, to many people I'm I, I don't really see as uh, a scenario of uh, author outright authoritarian rule in Poland. I think uh, Poles are, uh, are, are a nation which, um, which tends to rebel against uh, political leaders who take too much power. Uh, but this might be a question of time, and uh, uh, as, I, as I tend to say, before things get uh, better in Poland, they will probably have to get worse
0: so do you think that poland i mean just on paper without thinking about how it acts etc will be more illiberal than um than hungary once this is over
1: personally i don't think so i think there is uh, there is more of a, a rebellious spirit in uh, among poles than there is among hungarians certainly the economic situation of the country means that the current ruling party has more time Uh, ahead of them than they would have if the economic numbers were were different. Uh, What I am am concerned with is that the European Commission, by doing everything according to the book, namely taking its time to translate the hundred-something page-long law, taking time to analyze it, will actually react to the situation in the moment when that law will be adopted and has entered into force.
0: So it'll be too late to do anything about it. You know, there will
1: be a a, a finely worded, very to the point reaction at a moment when nobody will, uh, it will have no impact.
0: But what do you think the European Commission can do? I mean, I know that liberal polls uh, really value some of the things which Franz Timmermans, the vice president of the European Commission, has been been doing. I think he recently got an award from the main liberal newspaper in Poland, Gazeta Wyborcza. But um, do you think he's actually had an effect on on constraining what the government's doing, and do you think he could have an effect on this?
1: No, we we know what the competences and what the what the limits of the capacities of the commission are, and uh, you know the, the the commission on the rule of law procedures has a limited uh, a limited competence, and it is still limited if uh, member states don't decide uh, unanimously. Uh, to uh, to go against the country which is breaking, the, you know, treaty rules, among them the rule of law. So it, it is not so much I, I wouldn't put well it's not a question of blaming anybody. I think the Commission has done everything it could, within even expanding its uh, its formal competences on the rule of law. The ball is now with the European Council, and the question is uh, is the European Council politically determined enough? Uh, uh, to to overcome the vetoes which are in the Council in order to uh, stren- send 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 Poland a strong signal.
0: But what could they do? What do you want them to do to to kick Poland out of um, discussions like they did Austria beforehand to refuse to engage with Poles? I mean, what do you and, you
1: know I, I wouldn't suggest anything which would be a move against my own country. Uh, I would I, I would rather say that there is there is a question for the European Commission and I would say it on any other country if it wouldn't you know even if it wouldn't be mine, there is a question for the EU of integrity. What are those values inscribed in the treaties which we have all subscribed to, only to uphold them in our own countries but also to defend them across the European Union? What are they worth for us?
0: But what can the Commission actually do? Because it can it can and the Council. It could issue a declaration maybe or
1: it can propose to the to the to the European Council uh, to speak about it uh, at the Council and to move measures uh, against Poland. Would I like to see my country sanctioned? No, I think this is a nightmare scenario for a young, for, for a young successful democracy. What, what I would, what, would say, which I think is, you know, it's important to say that, is that in the end, that issue is our responsibility. There will be not, there won't be a permanent resolution of the current constitutional crisis if Poland, if Poles themselves, don't get their act together and overcome one way or another the differences. You know, uh, depolarization, which you see in Britain, you saw it before the French election in France, uh, is a sign of uh, of a nation in crisis. Definitely, Poland is not just a country in crisis; is not just a country taken over by an illiberal party. This is this is a diagnosis. But but the, the polarization and the amount of difference that there is between the liberal elites and the supporters of the shows that there is an underlying deep societal crisis. And that crisis relates to how we talk with our own citizens about the transformation from communism to democracy into capitalism.
0: What do you mean by that? Because that's quite a big sentence, how we talk about the transformation.
1: I mean that, uh, put, put quite simply, two things. First, the idea that we can continue to develop politically, not only economically, but also politically, along the narrative of Europeanization, and that's it, no longer holds, yeah? Poles expect that the country, their politics, and also their economic policy making is about something more than catching up with the EU. And this has been the dominant narrative over the past twenty five years. Since we went out of communism and of capitalism, the whole story was about westernization. yeah we We joined the international institutions, we joined NATO, we joined the EU and um, and and the only offer that political parties had to their elect to uh, to the to the wider electorate, was an offer of even more Europeanization. We should get more European. Yeah? And I think that narrative has burned out. And there is, there, there is, a, there is a, a search for a telos, what the Greek called telos, a deeper sense in politics, something uh, as a set of values or a set of goals, I would say, rather, more precisely, that would guide politics You know, in terms of why are we having uh, a democracy? Why, For what purpose are we having a country together? No? And uh, the political class has been incapable and unable to produce a new narrative which would replace the catch-up narrative. And uh, at the same time, fear has uh, crept in. And that fear is about uh, physical security, Ukraine crisis five years, four years ago, it's about identity fears.
0: Yeah, there are two or three asylum seekers who've arrived.
1: And all that sentiment of fear has been picked up, and I think, manipulated, instrumentalized by Mr. Kaczynski, in order to drive an agenda, which is a nation state, seal seal the country off from the external world agenda, and make us a happy bunch living in a in a in a in a conservative, more nationally minded country.
0: So that that kind of brings us onto the the international sphere because you mentioned Trump beforehand, who that you know has uh, there are obviously some read across between what you've just said as the new Polish national project and and what Steve Bannon and Trump have declared as the American new ideology, but also. There is this question, which which is we mentioned a few times in passing about Poland in Europe, and we were talking a bit more about what the European Commission and the Council could do to Poland. But what does this new, more inward-looking, nationalistic cultural identity mean for Polish foreign policy? Poland as an EU member state.
1: I think it's uh, it, it it essentially means. Uh, uh, a self-constrained uh, foreign policy, in the sense that uh, I think um, the ruling party doesn't realize to what extent they have limited their options uh, by uh, by losing allies and reducing uh, Poland's uh, uh, Poland's political capital around Europe. So this this foreign policy is, I, I would say, perhaps put it differently, uh, PiS foreign policy is a function of domestic policy and national interests, purely. A function of domestic policy and national interests. In the sense, we will we will not do things as a country which are in the interests of a wider community if this is not primarily in the interests of Poland and is not aligned uh, with domestic policy. So, for example, we will we'll, we'll not cooperate with the EU on certain matters, because that would put us in a tight spot when the EU asks us to cooperate, for example, on the rule of law. So I think it is a foreign policy which is extremely oriented or geared towards securing Poland's physical and military security. So uh, I would say it's, it's naive Americanism, pro-Americanism, and highly transactional approach to the EU that would be the combination. So. We we are probably as a government ready to do quite a lot for the Americans in exchange for their security guarantees and boots on the ground here and uh, are unable to do much for the EU if if what we do for the EU is not in exchange for securing our uh, economic or uh, other interests. I don't know if that is clear. but
0: It's pretty clear and um, it 's been fascinating talking to you and really grateful to you for, for taking time out from reporting the the crisis. Um, we tend to end the podcast with a bookshelf segment where people recommend something that they have read or are reading or it could be a magazine article or a newspaper article or even some people have recommended films. Uh, is there anything that, that's on your bookshelf at the moment um, when you want to escape either understand the crisis a bit more or escape from it I am I just finished
1: a book which which fascinates me and which uh, which has proven very interesting to me uh, or useful to me. And it is it is a book by Gary Klein, who is a behavioral psychologist, titled Seeing What Others Don't, uh, about the remarkable ways we gain insights. So it's a, an extremely interesting book. I would uh, highly recommend to all us think tankers, because it is essentially a behavioral psychologist's explanation of how we come to the really interesting ideas, which go against conventional wisdom uh so this is a book i just uh, i just finished and um under the spell of.
0: great well it's fascinating thank you so much revenue um it's been great talking to you we will put links up to the publication that you mentioned on our website which is www.ecfr.eu slash podcasts if you've enjoyed listening to this please tweet about it write about it on your facebook page on ours but above all rush straight to itunes and give us a review and a rating as it will allow other people to find out about the podcast we also have some very exciting news we're going to be launching a sister podcast on the future of the liberal international order every week i'm going to be talking to experts about the future of the liberal international order and indeed whether it does have one the podcast is going to be called the end of the world so we will put some feeds of that podcast on the world in 30 minutes feed so you can test it out but it will also have its separate feed later more about that next week but for now from Vavnice Smorchinski I hope I haven't butchered it too much and myself Mark Leonard it's goodbye the researcher of VCFR's podcast is Ulrike Franke and our editor is Pauline Goemine